0: Shalom, this is Rabbi Thomas Davis-Hart from Beth Elohim Messianic Synagogue, and I would like to start the message tonight, which is called A Woman's Place, by saying if you have any comments, questions, suggestions for scripture you would like me to uh, respond to or discuss, please go onto our website at rabbdavis.org and click the link on Ask the Rabbi and submit your comments and I will be happy to respond. All right. Throughout the Bible, lives of many women are frankly portrayed, which reflects the diversity of humanity from the very creation of man. In Genesis 1:26, 27, and 2:18 through 24, the full humanity of woman is described. She appeared as the counterpart and helper to man, and coming from his innermost being, holds an intimate relationship with him. Adam is a collective term for mankind, Adam, which includes woman. This is just as the Ruach, or Holy Spirit, describes the feminine attributes of God. Let us make man, and let them. In the image of God created he him, male and female, created he them. Evolutionists discredit the Bible record of women's formation from the rib of man. This passage emphasizes the inseparable unity and fellowship of a woman's life with that of man's. She is a helper, the complement, and necessary compliment to complete the man's being i love matthew henry's comment on the creation of eve and he said the woman was made of a rib out of the side of adam not made out of his head to rule over him nor out of his feet to be trampled upon by him but out of his side to be equal with him under his arm to be protected and near his heart to be beloved Unquote. so we can see eve was different from adam in sex and physical features only Man and woman were endowed for equality and for mutual interdependence. And let me say here that not all unions are truly God-ordained. People get married for various reasons, and often God's guidance is not sought in choosing a mate. Too often our immediate circumstances or feelings get in the way of where our spirits should be in considering the life-mate choice. I've seen this in my practice. I see some couples who represent the Akad relationship, that's that inseparable oneness that God sanctions and that is most desired. And then I see others who, in one breath, brag about being married for 40 or 50 years, and as soon as the spouse leaves the room, the person tells me they would have left a long time ago if it had been socially acceptable to do so. They've stayed in a miserable relationship, playing a role because they were taught that leaving under any circumstances other than physical beating or adultery is wrong. While it's true that God wants us to find the perfect mate and remain married to that person, He also made provision to leave under certain circumstances. While the ancient world was predominantly a man's world, women in Israel enjoyed a unique status not experienced in other areas at the time. The Jews held to the revelation given by Moshe concerning the worth and rightful position. The women were held in high esteem, honor, and affection. Israel's law was designed to protect a woman's weaknesses, safeguard her rights, and preserve her freedom. Her freedoms were greater under divine law, Tasks were more varied and important, and her social standing more respecting and commanding than that of the heathen women. She was her husband's property to some extent, and she owed him complete fidelity. The husband was lord and master, but you must remember here that husband and wife were living by the same standards. They were following God's standards. So she was treated according to God's laws, and she submitted to her husband under God's laws. She was not demeaned, degraded, abused physically or mentally. Unfortunately, too many Christian pastors teach that the wife must submit to her husband in all things, referring to 1 Corinthians where it says the wife is not in charge of her own body, but her husband is. They neglect the phrase before where it says in 7.3, the husband should give his wife what she's entitled to in the marriage relationship, and the wife should do the same for the husband. Total reciprocity. They also refer to Ephesians 5.22, which deals with submission to the husband. What about verse 21? Submit to one another in fear of the Messiah. Here again, we see an admonition to both husband and wife to love each other as Messiah loves. This does not include demeaning, denigrating, and dominating behaviors. And I'll take this a step further. I hear comments and questions all the time about whether a woman should wear a kippah, that's a head covering, and tzitzit, that's the fringes. Well, check out Numbers 15.37. We see that the command for B'nai is is for B'nai Israel to wear them. B'nai or B'nai Israel, uh, B'nai can be translated as sons, children, or disciples. So it's not wrong for either sex to wear them. The men are commanded, the women may. B'nai is not exclusively defined as son, as one rabbi argues. As far as the keep or head covering, we are all to keep our thoughts under subjection, and this is a tangible reminder. We're all a priesthood, according to 1 Peter 2 9, and should act and dress accordingly. Any policy to the contrary only reflects the desire of certain people to place women at a lower level spiritually than men. It seems that men were designated as the ones to become well-learned in Torah and the women were not given such privilege. Well, I can tell you there were a lot of rabbis and other teachers that taught their wives behind closed doors because they understood that it applied to their wives also. What does Yeshua say in Luke 10, 38 and 42? Well here Marta is busy doing all the work and she's ticked off because Miriam is sitting under the great Rabbi Yeshua and he tells Marta, there's only one thing that's essential. Miriam has chosen the right thing, and it won't be taken from her. The majority of Christianity will say, Paul says in 1 Corinthians, that a woman is to be silent in a congregation. What do you think he's talking about here? The assemblies at the time of this writing were unorganized at best. Many of the attendees were new believers. Wives, not women, wives, sitting together in a group will not be silent. Paul is saying that this should not happen. They were to save their comments until after the services and ask their husbands about any issues or talk about uh, what's going on after services or the next day or the next week. It had absolutely nothing to do, and I'll say it again, it had nothing to do with a woman teaching or holding a position such as that of a rabbi. What has been taught throughout the years concerning this matter has its source in the male ego, Christianity and Judaism, not scripture wherever yeshua is exalted women come into their own from the beginning of his ministry on earth women were intuitively responsive to his teachings and devoted to his person women were prominent in early assembly activities as a result of the truth taught by yeshua and through his examples and attitude toward them we see in acts sixteen paul timothy and silas sailed to philippi and sat down along the riverside and spoke to the women who were gathered there lydia had her heart open to the teachings and she and the members of her household were baptized she was a god-fearing woman and these were some of the first converts to messianic judaism and not christianity the apostles set high standards for believing women as seen in one timothy and one peter women ministered to the apostles and came to hold official positions of spiritual influence in the assembly it's in romans sixteen phoebe was a shamish Paul instructed the Messianic community in Rome to welcome her and provide whatever assistance she needed because she had been such a help to many people, including Paul. In fact, in scripture biography, women are more conspicuous than men in religious devotion. They intuitively responded to Yeshua's teaching and sympathized with him in times of deepest sorrow. They were the last to leave the execution stake. The first to arrive at the tomb, and the first to proclaim the news of his victory over death. Baruch Hashem, that means blessed be the name. In the annals of early assemblies, women are likewise notable for their spiritual devotion, fidelity in teaching the Word of God, and sacrificial support of God's servants. In assembly attendance, women far outstrip the men. The spiritual value of a godly woman's influence is seen in the fact that many rose to a position of eminence as prophetesses. At a time before the complete canon or torah was available to us in exodus fifteen we read of miriam who was aharon's sister singing praises to adonai for the miracle of the red sea judges four six speaks of the prophet devorah or deborah who became a judge hear that a judge over all israel she used to sit under a palm in the hills of ephraim and the people would come to her for judgment not just the women while there is no evidence that her husband Lipidoth was a wimp, she was definitely an assertive woman. On the other hand, Hadassah, also known as Esther, was thrust into a position of leadership because God found her a willing servant of himself and the Jewish people. So here we see God using both an assertive personality and one of a quiet spirit. Hilda the prophetess is mentioned in two kings, Hannah in Luke 2, who worshiped day and night, fasted, and prayed. God had revealed to her the identity of Yeshua, and she shared it with everybody who was waiting for the liberation of Jerusalem. In Acts 21, Paul talks about going to Philip at Caesarea, and Philip had four unmarried daughters who had the gift of prophecy. In Romans 16, Paul speaks of Phoebe and Priscilla. Finally, in 1 Corinthians 11, Paul attempts to put the argument to rest when he says, In union with the Lord, neither is woman independent of man, nor is man independent of woman. FOR AS WOMAN WAS MADE FROM THE MAN, SO ALSO IS MAN NOW BORN THROUGH THE WOMAN. BUT EVERYTHING IS FROM GOD. THE SPIRITUAL GIFTS ARE GIVEN AS GOD CHOOSES, AND NO DISTINCTION IS MADE BETWEEN THE SEXES. AND I'LL BE THE FIRST TO TELL YOU THAT I DO NOT ADVOCATE THE RADICAL FEMINIST MOVEMENT IN THIS COUNTRY, BUT I DO HAVE CERTAIN LIBERTIES AND RESPONSIBILITIES UNDER GOD'S LAWS, AND I WILL EXERCISE THEM AS HE PROVIDES THE WAY AND OPPORTUNITY. There is nowhere in scripture a command or law prohibiting women from being trained to teach or serve in positions other than a hospitality or decorating committee. In conclusion, I want to say again that women are included in B'nai Israel, and as such we are commanded to serve God in whatever capacity he directs, not the ego of man. And this, my friends, is a woman's place. Shalom.